We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. The Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. Verse 7 is such a wonderful verse to hold on to. The Lord is good. First Chronicles 16.34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. He's a stronghold. He's a refuge in the day of trouble. Some days it's all you can do to put one foot in front of the other. It feels like you're being hit from all sides, swamped by the storms of life. Well, today, Pastor Dan reminds you that you don't have to be swept away by the hard things that are going on. Today's passage reminds you that God is your refuge, a safe place to run to in times of trouble. It's His hand that's reaching out as you're sinking. He wants to pull you out from the darkness and the danger and give you the peace and hope that comes from being tied to Him. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Nahum for today's edition of Ring of Truth. There is a movement that is gaining in popularity in the church. It's kind of been around for a long time, but it's gaining in popularity today that is called uh, progressive Christianity. Progressive Christianity. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't, but it's very dangerous. And it's heretical. And progressive teaching is kind of hard to detect because it quite often is packaged in a way that it sounds really good. And progressive pastors can sound very good. And and progressive Christianity, among other things, it, it emphasizes feelings and personal experience over and above the word of God. And your personal feelings about something or your personal experience is your authority and your truth. Instead of the word of God. And the word of God should always be our authority. And we should always bring our feelings under the word of God. And if our feelings don't agree with the word of God, we need to change our feelings. But, but with, with this progressive Christianity, your, your feelings and your personal experience is put above Scripture. The progressive pastors will talk a lot about your feelings and talk a lot about personal experience and how it makes you feel and what they maybe have personally experienced. And and I I bring that up because many progressive Christians uh, reject 
the God of judgment or the God of wrath or the God of violence. They don't like a God who avenges. They don't like a God who reserves wrath for his enemies or judges nations for their wickedness or judges people. That's a very arrogant position to have. It's a very arrogant position to have. And, and it's easy. It's easy criticism to make when you're living in peace and security in the United States of America. I can tell you those like the people of Judah who watched the Assyrians devastate their nation and terrorize their people, gouging out eyes, cutting off limbs, skinning people alive, forcing people to grind up the remains of their dead family members, and there was nothing they could do about it. They wanted God to avenge them. They wanted God to avenge them. Christians today living in countries where they are persecuted and martyred and slaughtered, where they send their daughters off to school and in the middle of the day, their daughters are kidnapped and they never see them again and they're taken as slaves and they have no way of defending themselves. They have no way of standing up against that. They have no way of getting out from under that. They want God to avenge them. They want God to deliver them. And some places in the world, God is the only hope they have. So just be aware of progressive Christianity and this thinking that's out there and this deconstructing your faith and putting your feelings above what the word of God says. The word of God is the authority and we need a God who avenges. We need a God who avenges. Psalm 94 verse one, listen to what it says. O oh Lord, the God of vengeance, O oh God of vengeance, let your glorious justice shine forth. This is a person who's pleading with God to show his vengeance. Arise, O oh judge the earth, give the proud what they deserve. How long, O oh Lord, how long will the wicked be allowed to gloat? How long will they speak with arrogance? How long will these evil people boast? They crush your people, Lord, hurting those you claim as your own. They kill widows and foreigners and murder orphans. Take vengeance, the psalmist is writing. What are you waiting for? It says in Isaiah chapter 35, verse 3, listen to what it says. Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Tell those who are fearful hearted, it says in Isaiah, your God will come with vengeance. Tell those who, who, whose hands are weak and whose knees are feeble, who are exhausted, encourage them by telling them, your God is coming with vengeance and he will come and save you. The Bible tells us that one day Jesus Christ will return to this earth to avenge his people. It is called the day of God's vengeance. And Jesus will come, you know, riding out of heaven on a white horse, wearing a robe dipped in blood. And out of his mouth will go a sharp sword to strike the nations. That's the message of the Bible. 
That's the message of the Bible. That one day God will avenge his people. And make everything right. In this world. And we shouldn't be offended by that. We shouldn't say, I don't, I don't like how that makes me feel. The Bible says we should say, Maranatha. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Please come. Avenge your people. Look at verse 3. The Lord is slow to anger. And he's great in power. And he will not acquit the wicked. The Lord is slow to anger. He, he gives people, he gives nations plenty of room to repent of their wicked ways. Micah 7.18 says, God delights in mercy. He's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance and salvation. He has given Nineveh 150 years since Jonah. They've had time. He will not acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. God can use creation to bring judgment upon a nation. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry and dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither and the flowers of Lebanon Wilt, he he dried up the Red Sea to allow the children of Israel to pass through. And then he caused the Red Sea to come down upon Pharaoh and his army to destroy them. He parted the Jordan River so the children of Israel could pass through and enter the promised land. Bashan, Carmel, and Lebanon, they they were known for their farmland, their lush pastures. But God can send a drought and devastate the economy of a nation, cause all the crops to wither, just as he did in the days of Elijah. Remember Elijah and the showdown with the prophets of Baal, that was on Mount Carmel, overlooking the Jezreel Valley, which is the breadbasket of Israel. Very fertile lands where all their farms were. And remember, the people of Israel had worshipped Baal because they thought Baal would send the rain upon their nation and cause their crops to grow. And it was an agrarian society, an agrarian economy. They thought they would prosper more by worshipping Baal, who would send rain upon their crops. So what did God do? He sent a drought. For years, no rain. Economy's ruined. And remember, Elijah, he calls the nation to choose. You either serve Baal or serve Yahweh. Make a decision. And if you remember the story, it says the people sat in silence. After three years of a drought, their economy's devastated. They're still thinking about it. We want to worship this Baal. That's how hard-hearted they were. But God can just send a drought. He can send a storm. He can send a hurricane. He can send a solar flare. He can send a virus around the world. Just shut this sucker down. Right? He can just do that. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt. And the earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. 
Who can stand before his indignation? And who can endure the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by him. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the fierceness of his anger? The answer is no one. The Assyrian army, as powerful as it is, is no match for the power of God. His fury is poured out like fire. Just ask Sodom and Gomorrah about God's fury poured out like fire. The rocks are thrown down by him. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Verse 7, look at verse 7. The Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. Verse 7 is such a wonderful verse to hold on to. The Lord is good. First Chronicles 16.34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. He's a stronghold. He's a refuge in the day of trouble. And hasn't the Lord been a refuge for us? Especially over the last couple years. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it, and they are safe. Just taking refuge in the Lord Jesus Christ. It says he knows those who trust in him. And why does he say this? Why does he say this to the people of Judah? Well, I I believe he said this to the people of Judah because the people of Judah probably were thinking, does God even see us? Does God see what's happening to us? Does God see what the Assyrians are doing to his people? Does God see the threat? That we are facing. And maybe you feel that way. Does God even see me? Does God even see what's going on? Does God even see what I'm going through? And what God says here in verse 7. To Judah and to us. Is is I see you. And I see that you're trusting in me to save you. I see that your hope is in me. And God notices that. In verse 8, what he says in verse 8, but with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place. He's speaking of Nineveh here. And darkness will pursue his enemies. Now, the city of Nineveh was a heavily fortified city, and the Assyrians believed it could never be conquered. The walls of Nineveh were over 100 feet high. And the perimeter of the city went for a distance of 60 miles. And the city walls were wide enough that they held chariot races on the tops of the walls. 
It had about 1,500 watchtowers around the city. In addition to that, they had, the city was surrounded by a river that branched around it. It also had a moat around the city that was 150 feet wide and 60 feet deep. And when the Babylonians attacked the city, what they did is they diverted some of the rivers. They had like a damming system for the rivers to control the flow of the water. The Babylonians manipulated the damming system around the city and flooded the city with water. And the flood of the water actually caused a portion of the wall to collapse. And it gave the Babylonians a breach where they could enter into the city. Look what he says again in verse 8. With an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place. The city was wiped out with an overflowing flood, just as predicted here in verse 8. Verse 9 says, What do you conspire against the Lord? Now, the Assyrians, they conspired against Israel, at least in their minds. They invaded Israel. But when they conspired against God's people, they conspired against God, whether whether they realized it or not. And so the Lord says, what did you conspire against the Lord? It's similar to the Lord Jesus Christ saying to Saul of Tarsus, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Right? Because when you persecute God's people, you persecute God. What do you conspire against the Lord? He will make an utter end of it. Whatever your plans are against the Lord, they're going to come to nothing. Affliction will not rise up a second time. You're not going to get a second chance here. He's going to make an end to Nineveh and the Assyrians. They're not going to rise up again. For while tangled like thorns and while drunken like drunkards, they shall be devoured like stubble fully dried. Speaking of the Assyrians. You know, they're like a drunkard who's stumbling drunk. Like, how are they going to defend themselves in that condition? From you comes forth one who plots evil against the Lord, a wicked counselor. This is speaking of the Assyrian king Sennacherib, who plotted against Israel and against Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, speaking of Nineveh and the Assyrians, though they are safe, And likewise many, yet in this manner they will be cut down when he passes through. Though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no more, he says in verse 12. Uh, Though the city of Nineveh was safe and secure, uh, though the Assyrian army was many in number and unmatched in the world, no one could stand up against the nation of Assyria, God says, I'm just going to mow you down. I'm going to mow you down when he passes through. And now he speaks to Judah in verse 13. And he says, for now, I will break off his yoke from you and burst your bonds apart. He's going to free Judah from the yoke of Assyria. The Lord has given a command concerning you. Your name shall be perpetuated no longer out of the house of your gods I will cut off the carved images and the molded images. Look at what God says to to Assyria. I will dig your grave. For you are vile. I kind of like this God, right? I will dig your grave and bury you. 
God will completely destroy the Assyrians. He says their name shall be perpetuated no longer. You've never met an Assyrian. You've never met an Assyrian. They don't exist anymore. And why does he do this? Well, Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. You know what makes a nation great? Righteousness. Righteousness. The righteousness of its people, the righteousness of its leaders, the righteousness of its laws, right in God's eyes. It's, it's not the economy or the military or anything else that makes a nation great. It's righteousness. It's godliness in that nation. And sin is a reproach to any people. God judges nations on the basis of their righteousness and their morality. And here God says to Nineveh, I will dig your grave and I will bury you. The city of Nineveh was, in fact, completely buried. We talked about this before when we were looking at the book of Jonah. It was completely buried. In fact, when Alexander the Great marched through that area uh, with his army, he was looking for the city of Nineveh, and his army marched right over top of it without even realizing it. Because it was completely buried under the ground, and it remained buried until the 1840s when archaeologists finally discovered it. But God said, I'm going to bury you. And he did. For your vileness, for your unrighteousness, your wickedness. Now look at verse 15. Behold, on the mountains, the feet of him who brings good tidings, who proclaims peace. O Judah, keep your appointed feast. Perform your vows, for the wicked one shall no more pass through. He is utterly cut off. God declares this message to to the people of Judah that Assyria will be judged and cut off. You'll no longer have to live in fear of the Assyrians. You can have your feasts. You can have your celebrations without fear. Chapter 2, verse 1. He who scatters has come up before your face. Look at what God says to Assyria. Man the fort. Watch the road. Strengthen your flanks. Fortify your power mightily. God says to the Assyrians, do whatever, you, do whatever you think you can to defend yourself against me. For the Lord will restore the excellence of Jacob like the excellence of Israel. For the emptiers have emptied them out and ruined their vine branches. Speaking of the Assyrians, God promises to restore Judah to its former glory before it was emptied out by the Assyrians and stripped away by the Assyrians. The shields of his mighty men are made red. The valiant men are in scarlet. The chariots come with flaming torches in the day of his preparation. And the spears are brandished. This is describing the Assyrian army. The chariots rage in the streets. They jostle one another in the broad roads. They seem like torches. They run like lightning. He remembers his nobles. They stumble in their walk. They make haste to our walls. And the defense is prepared. So here is Assyria getting ready for war, getting ready to defend. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. 
You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan is currently working his way through the book of Nahum, an Old Testament prophetic book. If you found this teaching helpful, there are others like it at calvaryec.com. Just look under the media tab. Any questions about today's message? Feel free to call us and ask. You can reach us at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. Please let us know how we can be praying for you as you listen to this series in the book of Nahum. Ring of Truth is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. If you're not currently connected to a church community, we invite you to join us this weekend. We have services on Sunday at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. On Thursday evenings, you can join us at 7 p.m. We'd be so glad to meet you and get to know your story. In the meantime, we encourage you to stay deeply rooted in the Word of God on your own throughout the week. When you tune in again to Ring of Truth, Pastor Dan will continue teaching through the book of Nahum. We're so glad you took the time to listen today, and we hope you'll continue being a part of our listening audience. Pastor Dan and the rest of us here involved with Ring of Truth look forward to what's ahead in this series. So stay tuned for Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. Rings true.